Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. You have been shaped for a purpose, but it's not always easy to figure out what that purpose is. You know, I've always loved this idea of like discovering who you are deep down within, of a kind of unleashing, you know, your superpowers into the world. I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of a huge like superhero Marvel fan. I like that kind of thing. And it started when I was a real young kid. You see, I kind of became obsessed with Superman. My dad showed me like the old school Superman movies, which I don't know that there's been a better Superman movie since then. If you disagree, that's okay. We'll pray for you, okay? But the reality is, is that I grew up watching that stuff. I had the toys, I had like a few of the comic books, but the thing I remember most of all was the Superman footy pajamas with the Velcro cape, right? Right? Some of you, your kids have those, right? Some of you may still have them. They do make them in plus sizes. And uh, if you, if you're a parent and you lose your kid's Velcro cape, heaven help you, right? Like it's, you're in trouble, right? You've basically failed. But I remember like I just kept wearing that superhero outfit because as a young kid, I fully expected that someday I would become Superman. That all of a sudden I would just like get zapped and have superpowers, right? So I wore that cape, I wore the suit just so I would be ready because nothing's worse than being able to fly not having a fancy suit. So I I would wear it, and I wore it way too long, like it was getting stretched, and I would wear it like underneath my clothes when I went to school and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one time being super embarrassed because my teacher saw through my white shirt and said, are you wearing a Superman outfit? I was a little bit too old. I was 24 in seminary, embarrassed. No. Okay, I was like nine. And to be honest, they don't, I, I didn't find them in plus sizes. But the reality is, is that theology what I would call superhero theology or maybe zap theology stuck with me for a huge chunk of my life. You see, I really thought to understand your gifts, you just kind of had to wait for your moment to get zapped and get your superpowers. When I became a Christian at 16 and started following Jesus, that's kind of the mindset I had about spiritual gifts. That that at some point the Spirit would fill me and all of a sudden I would just be good at the things I'm supposed to be good at and I would kind of be a finished work. Now, there's some problems with that. First of all, when I thought about spiritual gifts, I always thought it was about me being awesome. And I know that sounds conceited, but Superman was awesome, right? Isn't that what God has for every single one of us? We should have these talents and abilities, and people look at us, they envy us, and, they, and we can use those gifts, and, and we look awesome. We make lots of money, or we make a huge impact that everybody sees. And I didn't realize till later that a lot of my theology that I was... Uh, pre like superimposing on spiritual gifts had to do with my pride and not God's will. But then even once I got past that, I had another problem as I understood spiritual gifts, I really thought that that they should just be natural, that I shouldn't have to work at it. But as I began to follow Christ and as I began to serve in the church, what I noticed was is that I was bad at a lot of things. That sometimes I would be good at something and I would feel like God's presence moved through me and used me to encourage, to teach, or to share a truth with somebody or to serve in a way that was unique. And I remember those times when it felt like God's spirit just moved so powerfully. But then I also had plenty of times where I failed. I also had plenty of times where I was a teen trying to reach other teens and I would cause these awkward moments. And I remember thinking, well, then God really hasn't gifted me. And I just kind of assumed if I had to try I had to work at it, then either I failed 
or God failed. And as I've studied this topic, I've learned that that is not a good way to approach it. And so today I want us to look at our abilities in a new light. Well, if this is your first time, I want you to understand this shape series. Shape is an acrostic for us. The S stands for spiritual gifts. The H stands for heart. The A stands for abilities. The P stands for your personality. And the E stands for your experiences. Week one, Pastor Andy preached and we talked about spiritual gifts. And here's an excellent definition of spiritual gifts that Pastor Andy shared. Spiritual gifts are a supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together they can advance his kingdom in the world. Chris Hodges. Spiritual gifts, and there's five passages in the Bible that talk about these. They're on the screen. So if you want to read all the Bible passage about spiritual gifts, you can literally just, it's in your notes, you can take a screenshot. This can be something that you can read all of these today. We talked about spiritual gifts as after you become a Christian, after you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit comes into you. And one of the things the Spirit does, among many, many things, is that it allows you to all of a sudden start to do things you can never do before. Some spiritual gifts that are mentioned in scripture are healing, leadership, service, preaching, teaching. There's so many, and none of the lists exactly line up perfectly. And so as Pastor Andy shared, and as most Bible scholars agree, is that there's not just one list of spiritual gifts. They're giving us examples of what the Spirit does when it works in your life. And so spiritual gifts aren't something you can earn. You don't get to choose which one you have. God gives them to you, and our job is to use them in obedience to Him. Last week, we talked about heart, the idea that God gives us passions that align with his heart to be used for his glory. So when I was a teen is when I started following Christ, and one of the things God did in my heart is he gave me a passion for teenagers and young people, and I spent 13 years of my life as a youth pastor largely in part because God gave me a passion for teens. And God's probably already, if you're a follower of Christ, he's already begun to stir something in your heart. And you know what? For some of you who may not know God, whether in person or online, God may have stirred your heart already about an issue that is important to you, but also to him. Some of those things that could be on your heart could include working with people with special needs. Um, it could include things like working with a certain age group. It could, uh, it could be an issue of justice or mercy, feeding the homeless, being there for people who are going through tough emotional and physical times. But God has given you a heart for something. So today we're going to talk about, it's week three, we're going to talk about abilities. Now, um, I'm going to hit you with a lot of scripture verses today, so I want you to be ready. And for some of you, you, if you don't know a lot about scripture, if you don't know where to turn in your Bible, or if you didn't bring a Bible, I want you to know you're not going to get lost. We'll have all the Bible verses on the screen. But if you're completely new to the church, then we have something awesome here that makes the valley super unique. We have something called the journey. It is an eight-week study for people who are new to the church, who have maybe been gone a long time and are now coming back, people who are unfamiliar with the scripture and core truths of the Christian faith. Um, to sign up for the journey, you can go to our next step wall. There's information on the screen, but if you find yourself feeling like, wow, there's a lot to scripture I didn't know today, I would recommend you sign up for the journey. We match you with a mentor. You meet with them for eight weeks of one-on-one -on -one Bible study with them. It's an amazing, amazing ministry we have here at the Valley. So let's talk about abilities. In the context of our series, uh, abilities, are, abilities are skills and talents that you can do well, things that you enjoy. 
Examples include, but are not, uh, not limited to, administrating, counseling, technology, connecting, decorating, engineering, art, landscaping, strategizing, writing, mentoring, designing, and music. There's so many more. They are different from spiritual gifts in the sense that spiritual gifts are something that, that God gives to you through the power of the Spirit that only Christians have. But as you well know that uh, Christians, non-Christian, atheists, Buddhists, people of all different walks of life have abilities. Now, some of you here today would say, you know what? Um, you know what your abilities are. You know the thing you're good at. But I want to ask you today, um, how are you using it? Are there abilities in your life that are dormant that you're only using for yourself and not others? We're going to talk about that. But if you're like me, um, as I was at a young age and still am to some extent on some days, maybe you feel like I'm not good at anything. Maybe you feel like you were born at the shallow end of the gene pool or like God didn't really give you any kind of abilities. Today, God has something special for you. I want to encourage you and let you know that nothing could be further from the truth. So let's take a look at scripture and abilities. And like I said, we're going to go over a lot of stories, a lot of pieces of scripture that are all really, really good. And so I'm going to go quick, but they're going to appear on the screen and in your notes. So the first thing I want to talk about is I thought about abilities. The first story that the Lord brought to mind for me was the story of David and Goliath. If you don't know the story, if maybe you've forgotten the details, I want to take it off the flannel graph this, uh, this morning, take you, you away from the cute cartoons that we've seen about it, and kind of give you an idea of what was really, really going on. So the basic story, as you know, is the Israelites and Philistines were enemies. The Israelites got on one hill, the Philistines got on another hill. And all of a sudden, the Philistines had this giant warrior step forward. His name was Goliath. If you look in the footnote in your Bibles, it says that Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. There's some debate about that, but nobody disagrees with the fact of translating it that this was a tall dude. His weapons were heavy and intimidating. And he stood in front of the Israelite army and basically essentially said, I will fight, send your best warrior to me, we'll fight. And whoever wins, if I win, Goliath and the Israelites become our slaves. And if, if the Israelites defeat me, if you can find one person in your whole army that can defeat me, then we'll become your slaves. But instead of somebody stepping forward, everybody cowered in fear. Even the king, who was Saul, who had already established himself as a military leader, when Saul is introduced in Scripture, it actually says he was one of the tallest Israelite men that people had ever seen. Their big guy, their Goliath, just like everybody else was afraid and didn't do anything. And then this young boy, he wasn't even old enough to go into the military, and we know that because it talks about his three older brothers were sent, but he was left behind to take care of sheep, okay? It's kind of like the water boy for the football team. So David gets, his dad literally gives him kind of like a sack lunch and says, take this to your brothers. David goes, drops it off with the quartermaster, and everybody's cowering in fear from Goliath. It says day after day, Goliath just kind of comes out, talks a little smack, and everybody gets afraid. This young shepherd boy looks at Goliath and says, hey, what are we going to do about this problem? Because I don't think I'm going to let anybody talk smack about God or his people. And so David starts to tell people, I'll take them on. And the first thing that people say, his brothers kind of insult him. Saul, the king, takes one look at him and says, David, you cannot take him on. He is a warrior from birth, and you're a little shepherd boy. You can't do this. And here's what David says in response. 
Through David, we see that abilities are often earned. Read this with me, 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. That just, that just makes me feel like a man. I don't know about you guys. It's like, man, I want to hit something with a hammer. David had some game. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I don't recommend smack talk, but if you want to learn it well, read the Old Testament, right? So David essentially says, it's very interesting to me that what David doesn't say is, I can take Goliath because the Spirit's going to come on me. I can take Goliath because I'm special, one of a kind. I can take Goliath because God's with me and no one else. What David actually says, and it's very interesting because in 1 Samuel, I kind of read through it, and it tells you all the time that the Spirit of God comes on people. It actually has come on Saul at least two times at this point. And, but in this passage, read chapter 17, nowhere does it say the Spirit of God came on David. But what David does actually say is, the Lord throughout my life has given me an opportunity to learn a certain set of skills. When a lion came and took one of my sheep, I literally tracked it down, took the sheep out, and killed the lion. I don't know about you, I would let that one go. I'd be like, I'd be like hey, we, got, we can make more sheep as long as we have two, right? Like, I would not do that. David said, I, would, I grabbed a bear and I killed it. You see, the Lord has placed you in a certain time, in a certain place, so that you have the opportunity to earn and to learn the abilities that you need to learn in order to serve him. It blew my mind a couple years ago because I had the experience of I would preach a sermon and it would go well, and then maybe another one wouldn't go as well, and I'd feel like a failure and want to get out of ministry. I remember as a youth pastor, my first week, I led one event, and I had like a hundred teenagers show up to it. And then the very next week, I led another event and had four teenagers show up to it. And I remember each time that would happen, my self-esteem could be built or crushed by just like one little thing. And then I read this book that goes perfectly with this scripture. It was called Mindset, The Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. And what she learned, she studied kids when they were really, really young, and she identified two types of kids. She would give them puzzles and challenges and problems that were just a few years above their grade level. And some kids would come in, and they would talk about how good they were with stuff, and they would try the puzzle, and they would get frustrated, they would get angry, they could, couldn't do it, or they would give up. As soon as they got a puzzle that they could not solve, they would get frustrated. And then there was another group of kids who were given a puzzle, and if they couldn't solve it, they'd ask to take it home because they wanted to work on it. There was a, and, and she just, it was, she was studying something else. I don't even remember what, but then later on, her daughter was actually in the class with all those kids. So she got to know those kids, and eventually she noticed that the kids who got frustrated when something was too challenging, they were the kids that didn't do well in life oftentimes academically or morally or spiritually, and then other times the kids who would always approach a problem as an opportunity to learn and grow, they started doing well in life. And what her studies as she continued to do them revealed is she called there are people with a fixed mindset and people with a growth mindset. 
A fixed mindset says I am born with certain talents and abilities and what I have is what I have. So if I'm good at tennis, I'm always good at tennis. If I'm good at this, I'm always good at that. If I'm good at math, then I always have to be good. And every time they experienced a failure, it wasn't just that they needed to learn, it was that the core of their being was kind of broken down and they would be so sad or so angry or so defensive they would never continue on past a certain point. But people with a growth mindset would see challenges as opportunities to learn and grow. When they failed, they didn't make it about themselves, but they simply continued to learn and to grow. And over their lifetime, they learned that, yes, I'm going to be better at these types of things than those, but it wasn't that I'm just, built, I'm just made a certain way and I can never improve. They saw that there was an ability to improve. Most of the skills that I have learned in my life have been earned. Not earned in the sense that God wasn't with me all the time, but earned in the sense that God gave me times and opportunities to follow him faithfully, and that is what built the skills. There are times when we think about spiritual gifts, those are the things that God pours his spirit into you, and all of a sudden you find yourself encouraging, maybe teaching or preaching in a new way, and you get that feeling of, wow, it's almost like God did just zap me and he used me in a powerful way. But God also gives us abilities, things that we're allowed to, that we work at and that we do harder and harder. And I was talking about this and, and people are always tempted to say, well, I, I was born a singer and I've always been a singer. And I was talking to this person, I asked them about their life. Their parent would sit next to them in church and literally they had the hymnal open and from a young age, mom and dad would point to them the different notes. They also were the kind of kid that went around the house singing all the time. Their parents could never get them to stop singing, whether or not they were good or bad. And they kept doing it until they got good at it. So through David, we see that abilities are often earned. But through David, we also see that comparison is a dangerous way to understand our abilities. Let's go back one verse in 1 Samuel 17, 33. This is what Saul says when David says, I can take on Goliath. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since youth. All throughout this passage, people think David can't take Goliath because he doesn't look like the right fit. Because he doesn't look like a Saul. He doesn't look like his three older brothers. In fact, the scripture is very clear that David was one of the smallest and youngest in his family. He didn't look like a warrior. Later on, when Saul says, okay, you can fight Goliath, since Saul is the king and he's the biggest and best warrior, he tries to put David in his armor and weapons, which were probably the best armor and weapons on the battlefield. And David says, no, these don't fit. One of the things that made David able to use his abilities for God is that he did not play the comparison game. I was 17 years old, I'd been a Christian for a year, uh, year and, our, uh, and I decided I wanted to start playing guitar. I was still looking for that thing that I was gifted at, and my brothers were really good at sports, so I tried every single sport. I played basketball, I played football, or I tried to play basketball, I played football, I played soccer. I basically did all the sports I could get my hands on, and interestingly enough, I was so gifted, I played the same position in every sport, bench. Um, but, but I'm really good at sitting down. Like any kind, of, any kind of outfit, any kind of weather, I can sit down and watch other people do sports. I'm quite good at it. So I thought I would, I'd play one season and I would quit because I would see everybody else and compare myself to them and go, you know what, I'm not good enough. I should just give up. I saw my brothers, they were like 10 years older. They were really, really good at sports and I just assumed that they had been zapped with it. So I remember I decided, okay, maybe I'll do music. That'll be my thing. And I started playing guitar, and my other friends started playing guitar at the same time. 
And within one week, my other friend was playing and I, Carlos Santana. Anybody know Carlos Santana? A few of you? My friend started playing Carlos Santana in one week. Now, what I didn't think about is the fact that he had been ban- in band his whole life. He wasn't new to music. I was. I couldn't sing. I couldn't clap on beat. I couldn't read music. And so at first, I thought about giving up. And then my youth pastor said, hey, why don't you try bass guitar? I knew nothing about bass guitar, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to practice. And I was actually quite terrible. But I kept working at it. And at some point, I thought, you know what, I've compared myself to other people, and I keep giving up in life. What if for the first time in my life, I just see if I could possibly get good at something? And I started taking lessons, and I started practicing, and I got better and better and better. And by the time I went to college, I was able to travel in a music and ministry group that ministered to kids at campgrounds for two years. Was I the best musician? No, but I was at least halfway decent enough to help the band. And I obviously, I really excelled at working with teenagers, and that's what I ended up doing for a huge chunk of my life. You can have comparison or contentment. You cannot have both in life. No matter what you do, you can always find somebody better at it. You can always find somebody who makes more money, who does it better, who people like better, and you can give up and never get good at anything because you're too worried about how other people view you instead of what God thinks of you. We do not know that David was the best warrior. We just know that he was the one who trusted in God. We know he was the one who stepped forward when everyone else stepped back. And that's a theme you can find all throughout Scripture. The next one I want to look at is I want to step back from David and look at a guy who lived about two to three hundred years before David named Shamgar. All of you probably knew David. Uh, I, you may not have known Shamgar. Through Shamgar, we see that God can use any of our abilities to accomplish his purpose. Judges 3.31. If you want to know everything about Shamgar, I'm about ready to read it. So you're literally going to be a Shamgar expert, okay? You can tell people you have a doctorate in Shamgar. Here we go. 31, after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. And all God's people said, what? You now know everything there is to know in Scripture about Shamgar. So what do we know about him? Not much. His name and his dad names are not actually Israelite names, so most people think he was a Canaanite. We know that he struck down 600 Philistines, which I don't know about you, but for me, that's a whole lot of Philistines. I think I could take one or two, and then I'd be in trouble. Now, we don't know whether or not he was the leader and his team took down 600. We don't know if it was like 600 against one and he took them all down, or if he was like really sneaky and was doing like one at a time, and everybody's wondering where their family went, and it's Shamgar with an ox goad. But we know he had an ox goad. Now, if you're like me, you read this verse and you're like, what is an ox goad, right? I, I know what an ox is. I'm not quite sure I know what a goat is. So I had to look it up. Essentially, an ox goad is, um, commentators disagree, but it's essentially a pointy stick, okay? It's a stick for poking oxes when they're doing what, you know, they're, they're not supposed to do. It wouldn't be sharp enough to hurt the ox normally. And maybe on the end, a lot of people think there'd almost be like a hose so you could till up ground so you could like poke your ox, till the ground. This was not a military weapon. David against Goliath used a sling. It takes years to learn how to use a sling well, right? An ox goat is a pointy stick, right? Point here, person there. You could probably do the math on how to use this thing. This is not a warrior's weapon. And yet Shamgar didn't wait to serve God. 
He didn't wait until his abilities were finally honed. He didn't wait until he didn't wait for just the right opportunity. He simply did what God called him to do and stepped out and was not afraid of failure. So many times in my life, I haven't used my gifts and abilities because I looked at someone else, knew that they could do it better, and so I simply sat on the sidelines. What God wants for someone today, you may feel like you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, that you may feel like all you have is an ox goat and everybody else has a shield and a sword and a spear and they're tall and they're cool, but the reality is, is God uses those who show up. God uses those who get off, get off the si- sidelines. You may not have what everybody thinks that you need to be an evangelist, to be a pastor, to, to evangelize, to witness to your coworker. You may feel like God's put on your heart to start a new uh, work with people that struggle with this issue and you feel like you're not good enough or you look at your neighbor and you think, I couldn't talk to them about Christ, but what you have may actually be all you need and God is just waiting for you to have the courage of Shamgar to use what you have at the right time in obedience to God. And actually, if we look, we see a similar pattern in the New Testament. Through the disciples, we see that Jesus reorients our abilities towards his kingdom. Matthew 4, 19. When calling his disciples, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. What I noticed when I read this is it's a lot like Shamgar. Jesus came to his disciples, and he didn't say, I'm going to make you traveling preachers, I'm going to make you evangelists, I'm going to make, have you work miracles, although they did all those things and more, some of them at least. But what he did say is, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to take some of the skills you've developed as fishermen, and I'm going to point you towards my kingdom purpose. You see, when Jesus called the disciples, there was a newness to their call. They had to leave their boats, they had to leave their nets, they had to learn a new way of life as they apprenticed themselves under Jesus. Yet at the same time, God used some of their abilities, and like a boat going the wrong direction, all of a sudden the breeze just came from a different direction and the boat started to go to a new and better place. Look at the Gospels. Peter was always the guy who was like first to jump in and put his foot in his mouth. Peter was bold, right? Like literally Peter, like, you know, uh, Jesus says, Jesus is walking on water. Everybody else is like, Jesus is so awesome. And Peter's like, let me try, right? Uh, Roman guards show up and the disciples flee. Peter literally takes out a sword and chops off somebody's ear. How bad do you have to be to aim for someone's head and just get their ear, right? Like Peter had no skill. He was no shamgar. He literally cut off somebody's ear when he was swinging for the head, right? And yet in Acts, once the Spirit starts moving in Peter's life, he's the first one to step up and preach a sermon. You see, God can use any of your abilities and move it towards his kingdom purpose. You see, I remember uh, on mission trips, I led a lot of mission trips in my days as a youth pastor, and one of the things we always tried to do was balance work and witness. We'd come and we'd do some kind of construction project, but we'd also try to reach people for the gospel. And we kind of use those two things as metrics to almost design the trip. We'd say, okay, we're going to have this much work time, this much witness time. And obviously, in real life, you'd feel like it went this way or that. And I remember one time the missions organization we were working with didn't feel like one of our leaders was doing enough witnessing. 
He was spending too much time on construction. There was a church that was in need. The lead pastor had cancer, and he was, felt very, very burdened to finish this church up so the pastor no longer had to worry about the building anymore. So he was working all kinds of time, and I remember the mission trip leader said, you need to stop doing work and do a lot more of the witness stuff. And he said, I really feel like I need to get this done. And I remember the person said, I have never seen anyone one to Christ with a paintbrush. And I remember that same adult leader, the very next day, went back to his work, and he had a roller. It wasn't a paintbrush. And he started rolling with one of our teens. And that teen looked over him and said, why are you a Christian? Long story short, that adult leader used a paintbrush in his hand to win a teen to Christ. That teen had heard so many sermons from me. He had been to Sunday school, he had been raised in a house, and yet one leader with a paintbrush, using his skills for God's kingdom purpose, made a huge difference. As we do this SHAPE series, I want you to understand that the goal isn't just to understand your spiritual gifts. We want you to do that. It's not just to understand your heart, your passions. We don't want you just to understand your abilities and your personality and your experience. What we want you to do is understand what God has done, what he is doing in your life, and all of a sudden bring those things together and allow God in his time, in his season, to release him to bring the kingdom here, just like the Lord's prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through your gifts, through your abilities, when you submit them to God's spirit, God can use you in incredibly powerful ways. There's this verse I love in Exodus, and it says this, Exodus 31, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. When we think of the Spirit filling somebody, we normally think of pastors or missionaries, right? Or, you know, uh, or Sunday school teachers or life group leaders or people who are like public face of like what the church does. Shame on us. This is one of the first places where it talks about somebody being filled with the Spirit, and it's not Moses, it's not Aaron, it's a simple tradesperson who God is giving a spiritual gift to, to work in the trades, in the arts, but obviously he would have learned that skill through his family. He would have practiced that his whole life. And as you read the passage, it's not just that he's been given the spirit to do those things, he's also been given the spirit to lead people who are doing those things. And God brings them together in a beautiful, beautiful way to bring about the tabernacle, which was God's presence on earth. When you take your spiritual gifts, your hearts, your abilities, your personality, and your experience, and you allow God to converge those together in your life. That is one of the many ways in which God can break forth his kingdom on this earth. One of the coolest things I ever did, and it was totally by accident, was I did this series uh, basically called Jesus in Your Career with the teenagers, and I brought in different people to talk about their careers and how God used them. And I brought in uh, finance people, trades people, I brought in all different types of people. And then one day I had an FBI agent come, to share his testimony. And he talked about how he was always a good FBI agent. He'd been an FBI agent for about 10 years, but he wasn't a follower of Christ. And then someone invited him to church and he became a follower of Christ, and all of a sudden something began to change in his life. His job was he was an interrogator. 
And normally when you go into that room, you know what that person has done. Most of the time, you know that they're guilty. And so you walk in there and he was dealing with a pretty, I'm not going to share what his specific job was, but basically he dealt with some of the most violent offenders, some of the worst things. And he says, as an interrogator, when you go into that room, it was so easy to hate that person. It was so easy to see them as the scum of the earth. But then when I became a Christian, I would walk into that room, and yes, they had done bad things, but all of a sudden, I realized that they were created in the image of God. I realized that God, despite what they had done, still loved them, still cared about them. And I also knew that the first step towards repentance, towards turning your life over to Christ, is confession. And so all of a sudden, I tried to get people to confess, not because they were awful and evil and I hated them, but because I loved them and I knew the best thing for them in our world was for them to admit what they had done, serve whatever jail time sentence or penalty is handed down to them in hopes that they might turn from their ways and come to know Christ. And he talked about how I couldn't share Jesus in the interrogation room. Obviously, that could cause something to get thrown out in court, but just my demeanor and my actions toward them started to change. And he said, 10 years since then, there's only been one person who hasn't confessed to me. That every time I go into an interrogation, I get a confession. And he said, one time I, was, I got this guy to confess, and the very next thing he did, even though he was probably going to jail for life, he got up, he hugged me, and he said to me, whispered in my ear, I think God sent you to give me one last chance to repent one last chance to turn my life over to him. And he said, I never talked about God or anything, but he felt God's presence in the middle of an interrogation. Why do I love that story so much? Because I believe that's what God wants for you and me. You have spiritual gifts if you are a follower of Christ. You have abilities, you have heart, you have personality, you have experience that God wants to bring together to use for his kingdom. And so as you go today, I want you to do three things. The first one is to explore. Explore the abilities God has given you. There's a couple ways you can do this. First of all, I want you to just get out a sheet of paper sometime today and write down, what are my abilities? And just list the things that you do well, right? You might put woodworking, painting. You might put things like decorating, singing, music. You might put accounting, managing, leading. Write those things down you do well. And then ask your family members, ask your coworkers, ask people who know you well, what am I good at? Ask them what you're good at. We also have a free shape assessment you can take. You can find it at freeshapetest.com. We're hoping that 200 people in our congregation fill this out. You fill it out, you put in my email, it comes to me, and the pastoral staff can see that. But even more importantly, if you've already taken that test or if you're going to take it, what we want you to do is print it off yourself. It gets sent to you and talk about it with your friends and your family. See maybe, hey, here's my shape test. What, what in it do you see that is true? What in it do you see that maybe the test got a little bit wrong? Take time to talk with someone else about it. Don't just explore your abilities, though. Pray. Take time to ask God. Offer your abilities back to him. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and say, God, what abilities do I have that you want me to use for your kingdom and for your glory? And the last thing I want you to do is to develop. What I mean by that is that God has given you abilities and spiritual gifts, but every single one of us has the opportunity to work on those skills, to develop them, and get better. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says this, 
If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If you want success, if you want to get good at something, it takes skill. In 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 15, Paul actually, and I won't read it today, but go check it out, 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15, Paul tells Timothy, don't forget the gift that is given you, but be diligent in those matters. Give yourself fully to the gifts and abilities God has given you so that everyone may see your progress. Even when it comes to our spiritual gifts, we can progress. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You've got a full-time job. You've got, you know, X amount of children. Life is busy. Life is chaotic. You don't have time to use your abilities. What I would ask you to do today is as you explore, as you pray, ask God, where do you want me to serve you? Maybe there's somewhere with your family where God's calling you to use this ability to bless them. Maybe there's somewhere at work where you know you could step in and help out in an extra way because you're gifted in that area. And regardless of whether or not you get paid, you want to do it for God's kingdom and for the benefit of your coworkers who you love and who you care about. My greatest hope for you is that you walk away today offering your life as a sacrifice to God. I want to be very, very clear. You are loved by God. There's nothing you can do to lose his love. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. Shape is not about if I do this, if I do that, then God will love me. Understanding your shape is about allowing God to use your life to spread his kingdom. Our gifts and abilities are not supposed to be pointed towards making me look good. They're not supposed to be pointed towards making as much money as I can. They're not supposed to be pointed towards me looking good, performing well. My spiritual gifts are for God's kingdom and his glory. So don't forget that to allow God to use your abilities to make an impact in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that the things that were helpful that you spoke to people today, that you would burn them into their soul. God, for those who today would say that they're not good at anything, Lord. Would you let them know that, that you maybe have gifted them some things, but if there's things that they're not good at yet, that they enjoy, that they want to be good at, would you let them know, God, that maybe you're giving them this time and season of their life to get good at something so that they can use it for your glory? And God, would you remind us today that in Christ we are loved. Lord, I pray over my friends that they would learn from their failures that when they mess up, they would learn to do new things or maybe pursue a different area or maybe just to work harder in an area that you've already called them to do. But Lord, I pray that they would understand their gifts by their successes, that when they see you using them, they would desire that more and more and more. But ultimately, God, help us to find our identity in Christ Jesus and his love, his sacrifice on the cross, not based on what we have done, but on who you are, God. And as you redeem us and restore us, would you show us how we are called to extend your kingdom. May we use our abilities to impact and to spread your kingdom, God, through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for your attentiveness to God's word. Take the free shape test. Talk to people about your abilities this week and talk to them about theirs. May the Lord bless you as you go. Thank you, you're dismissed. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.